Welcome to the Breaking the Limit podcast. My name is Kyler. In each episode, I'll bring you an exciting topic or conversation that will inspire you to create your own change and break the limits that are holding you back. Thank you for joining me today. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to my first episode of my podcast. I'm really excited to start this and start sharing with you guys a little bit about myself and my story and hopefully I can inspire you with something that I say. So in this episode, I'm really just going to talk about my story, basically just uh, where I started to where I am now. So to start things off, my name's Kyler and I'm 32 years old and I'm a trans man. So I spent about 30 years of my life identifying as female and I have been transitioning since uh, early 2020. So just over just over a year now. People always ask me like, when did you know you were trans or like, how did you know you were trans? And for me, to be honest, there really isn't a big defining moment of when I knew. Um, I can remember my earliest memory of questioning my gender was probably when I was about five years old. I can remember sitting in my bedroom with my mom and I asked her, you know, when do I get to be a boy? Why does my brother get to be the boy? You know, she just gave me the short answer of like, well, you're a girl, so you don't, you're not, you're not going to get to be a boy. That's not how that works. And so a little five-year-old me just basically accepted that answer. And I was like, okay, you know, as a child, I had really, really long blonde hair and my mom really enjoyed doing my hair, braiding my hair and stuff like that, putting bows and barrettes in my hair and making me wear dresses and stuff. When I was about eight, I remember asking my mom that I, or telling my mom that I wanted to cut my hair short. And she hesitated with that for a little bit. Um, she hemmed and hawed over it, but eventually she let me cut my hair short. So when I was about eight or nine, I got my hair cut really short. And at that point, I was dressing pretty much like a tomboy. I had my brother's old clothes. And I can remember one incident where I went to this washroom. I was in the girls' washroom and there was this little girl in there. And she kind of, you know, did a double take and kind of looked at me and was like, this is the girls washroom. And I just looked at her. I didn't really say anything. And I just walked out. And the first thing I did was I went and told my mom what happened. And my mom was like, well, did you tell her that you were a girl? And I was like, no, I didn't. Looking back on that now, I think a big part of that was probably because maybe I didn't feel like a girl and I didn't want to admit that I was a girl. And so those are two big moments in my childhood where I where gender was really involved and I was maybe sort of questioning my gender or unsure about uh, my gender. You know, I grew my hair out again after that. I dressed pretty tomboyish until I was probably about 12 or 13. Peer pressure started, you know, happening and bullying. People just kind of judged me for what I was wearing and stuff like that. So I can remember when I started grade seven, I was starting at a new school. I remember getting a whole new wardrobe and, you know, dressing more girly and doing my hair and makeup and everything like that, just to sort of try to fit in, you know? And that really continued on for a majority of my high school. However, I can always remember 
even in elementary school and high school, I can always remember having crushes on girls and stuff like that, but I wasn't really sure what that even really meant. I went to a Catholic elementary school as well as a Catholic high school. And so, you know, talking about lesbians and anything LGBT wasn't really something that we talked about a whole lot at in Catholic schools. I was kind of sheltered a little bit in that way. And so probably when I was 16 was when I really kind of figured out like, oh, I definitely like girls. That's for sure. I definitely knew that. And I was happy that I had figured that out. Um, however, I felt a lot of fear and I wasn't really sure what to do about that information. Um, I hid it for a while until I was probably until I was about 18 was when I officially came out as a lesbian uh, to my mom. Um, and that just happened accidentally. Uh, I had been dating this girl and we had broken up and I was upset about it. And my mom could tell that something was wrong. She somewhat cornered me in a room, not on purpose or anything like that. But she was, she could tell I was really upset about something. And she was like, tell me what's going on. Like, what, what's, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? I basically left the room without telling her what was wrong and she kind of followed me and was like what you're gay and so that was really my coming out story as a lesbian and my mom definitely had a hard time with that she struggled with that for a bit um however it never changed how she treated me she still treated me the same she still did everything as she did before she she knew um so i was really really grateful for that she definitely supported me in that um, as much as it was difficult for her to do at some points I'm sure at that point I I was done school and so I decided that I was gonna move to Niagara Falls I just felt like I really needed a fresh start and to get away from from Ottawa um, so in 2008 I packed up everything and I moved to Niagara Falls with a friend of mine and I lived there for a year. And that year was definitely a very important year for me. Um, you know, I was away from, from family and I was free to kind of just explore and just kind of figure out who I was and who I wanted to be. So I, again, I cut my hair short, actually, while I was living in Niagara Falls. Um, I was I was dating. I had started, again, also dressing more masculine. And that felt really, really good. It felt good for me to do that. Um, so then when I came back to Ottawa, I felt like I was almost a new person in a way, you know, I, I definitely did a lot of um, self discovery while I was while I was living in Niagara Falls for that year. So that felt really good. When I got back to Ottawa, I can remember getting misgendered a lot. I can remember people calling me sir and gentleman. And I remember it feeling really good. However, anytime I was out with my mom, you know, and they would call me, oh, like your son, or they would call me he or sir or whatever my mom would be like oh that's my daughter that's my daughter and I always felt I always remember felt feeling so awkward when that happened like why does she have to correct them like why can't she just let it go you know but again I wasn't really even aware of the idea that transitioning was even a thing so it wasn't something that I had considered I just remember feeling super uncomfortable and I was like well I guess this is something that I just have to live with and then it wasn't until I was, I guess, in my mid-20s was when I, you know, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't met a trans person um, myself. I'm probably the first transgender person I 
can think of would have would be Max from the L word would have been the first trans person that I saw. Um, and even then, like, I was like, oh, that's cool. But that wasn't something that I was considering for myself. Then when I was in my mid 20s, I can remember I got my first binder. And for anyone who doesn't know what a binder is, it's basically like a really tight compression shirt that you wear into your clothes. Um, and it makes you have a more masculine chest. It flattens your chest, essentially. And so I was doing a drag king competition and I was got I got my first binder specifically for that. I can remember just trying that on for the first time and how amazing that felt. That was when I really knew that I hated my chest and I really not only did I start wearing not only did I wear the binder for drag, I also started wearing the binder in my day-to-day -day life. I think at that point maybe subconsciously I knew that I wanted to transition, but I just wasn't ready to admit that to myself yet. I went on for several more years identifying as female, even though I knew that it felt so uncomfortable to me. And at this point, I had a few friends who were trans guys, and I really looked up to them. I really envied them, and I was a little jealous, you know, that they'd had top surgery and that they were living their best lives as their true selves. I was definitely really jealous of that. It got to a point where I was like considering it, but I felt so much fear behind it. However, in March of 2020, I can remember talking to my trans buddy and I was telling him how I was jealous of people that had top surgery and people that had transitioned. He really supported me and was like, I know it seems scary, but I promise you once you do it, and once everyone else sees how much happier you are, you're going to be so glad you did it. And so I really started considering making, taking steps to transitioning to male. And so that was right at the beginning of March um, in 2020, which was right before the pandemic hit, actually. So about three weeks after having that conversation with my buddy, um, the pandemic was full, full blown. It had hit here. I had gotten laid off of work. It was really eye-opening to me because I was like, this is the perfect time. There is no better time than if I'm going to transition, this is per this is the perfect time to do it. You know, I knew at that point that I was going to have several weeks, if not months off work um, until they figured out everything that was going on with COVID. And so I was like, this is perfect. So I really started to take steps towards transitioning. In the beginning of April of 2020, I got in touch with a therapist. It was like one of the first steps I took. I got in touch with a therapist who had helped people transition. Um, I can remember our first phone call together was just a consultation call. It was just a 15, 20 minute phone call where she was just, you know, trying to get to know who I was, what I really wanted help with. And I can remember, I don't even think I got two words out before I just broke down on the phone and I just realized like, I can't live like this anymore. Like it's just too painful. Shortly after that, I realized that I would have to tell, you know, my mom, I'd have to tell work. And those were the two big ones that really scared me a lot. Just thinking back to how my mom came out, uh, my mom reacted to when I came out as a lesbian with work, I was very fearful of judgment and I can remember I ended up having to tell my mom over video chat 
And this was only because, you know, I had prepared what I was going to say to her. I had written her a letter, not necessarily to give her the letter, but just to kind of figure out what I was really going to say to her. And so I was supposed to go to my mom's house and I was going to do it in person because it just seemed way more authentic to just do it in person. However, um, prior to going to the house, I had messaged her to ask her if when I got to the house, we could have some time alone to chat. And she got kind of worried about what I had to talk about and started kind of freaking out. Like, are you okay? And she wasn't going to let it go. So I just, I video chatted her and I just told her like, I have something big that I want to tell you. Um, I know this might not be easy for you to hear. Um, and then I just basically broke down to her that I was trans and I was going to transition to male. I was going to change my name. I was going to start testosterone and I was going to get top surgery. Her reaction was basically to say no to everything that I was saying. She couldn't wrap her head around it. And I mean, that was basically what I expected. However, it still was really hard for me to hear that. I really just wasn't sure at that point what she needed. I told her that I was willing to give her space to sort of process what I had told her. And I told her that I was going to continue moving forward with my plans and that eventually I hoped she would catch up. I know that it was really hard for her to, to deal with that, um, but I do think that she tried her best most times to get my pronouns right and my name right. Unfortunately, about seven or eight months after I told my mom, she passed away. Unfortunately, she won't get to see my full transition. However, I'm grateful that I did come out before she passed. After telling my mom and telling work, I was really ready to start going by a different name and looking into starting testosterone and getting top surgery. I was actually dating someone at that time that I had come out and she had suggested like, why don't you pick a name and we can, I can start calling you by that name and we can sort of figure out if, if that, if that's a name that suits you. I was between three names originally. It was Kyler, Colton, or Caden. For some reason, I was really drawn to Kyler. And so we started with Kyler and it just sort of stuck. After about using after using it for about a month, I was ready to start legally changing my name. So I filled out all the paperwork to do that. And I officially became Kyler. And then around that same time, I had gotten in touch with my doctor. I had an over the phone appointment with them to tell them that I was looking into starting testosterone and if they could refer me to an endocrinologist. And so I started testosterone in October of 2020. I originally started on the gel. So it just comes in little packets and it was something that you apply daily. So you can apply it to like your legs, your stomach, your arms. I only started on the gel because there was a shortage of like the injectable testosterone at that point and I was really eager to just start on testosterone so I started with the gel. It wasn't the greatest. I'm not I wasn't really a big fan of having to do it every day. When January hit, I was actually able to switch to the injectable testosterone which is a lot easier. It's something you only have to do once a week. So I met with my endocrinologist for the first time actually in January to go over how to do a testosterone injection. And at that point, she had told me that she had filled out all the paperwork to have me approved for my top surgery and that I should be hearing from 
the surgeon shortly. January 19th was when I got my original call from the top surgeon's office telling me they wanted to book a consultation appointment. And so about a week after that, I had my initial consultation appointment with the top surgeon. And that was basically just to kind of get a little bit of background information on me, how long I had been out for and if I was on hormones and, you know, what I was hoping my results would look like after top surgery, just stuff like that. And so then the following week, I actually got to go in and meet the top surgeon and he took some measurements and um, and stuff like that. And then after that appointment, I was able to choose my date and the next available date was March 30th. So I only had to wait about two months from my initial appointment to when I got top surgery. So I was super, super great, grateful for that. Um, I know that there are several other people who were not as lucky and are still currently waiting. So I was super grateful that I got to have my top surgery that quickly. It was less than a year from when I officially came out to when I had gotten top surgery. And I was just so grateful that everything had gone so smoothly for me. And then, um, so those two months flew by. I wasn't really sure what to expect having top surgery. I had talked to other people who have had top surgery to kind of hear about what their experience around it was like, what recovery was like, what I would or wouldn't be able to do. I was really grateful that I had someone look after me for the first week after my surgery. But I was really surprised at actually how um, smooth everything went and how quickly I was back to being able to do normal things for myself. Even from the moment I got home from the hospital and I was able to, you know, do pretty basic things. I mean, I wasn't able to lift my arms above my head or anything like that, but I was able to, you know, make myself coffee, feed my cats. I could do basic things like that, which I wasn't really sure if I was going to be able to do or not. The recovery from my top surgery was actually pretty smooth. It was the, the only uncomfortable part about it was really that I was really swollen. So my stomach was swollen, my chest was swollen, and I was in a compression vest that I had to wear for six, week po six weeks after my surgery. So that was the most uncomfortable part. It was really tight. I had some bruising on my chest, so that was pretty um, sore and sensitive at times too. However, I had medication that really helped with that so with the pain and the discomfort and stuff you're not supposed to sleep laying down for the first little bit after you get top surgery so I had to sit up to sleep so that was a little uncomfortable for sure other than that everything went pretty smoothly um, I got to see my my chest for the first time a week after my surgery I had double incisions with nipple grafts. Then when I got to my one week post-op was when they I actually got to see my chest for the first time and they took off the bandages around my nipples and everything like that. And I was actually able to shower for the first time. So for the first week after my surgery, I wasn't able to take showers. Um, but after the first week, I could take off the compression vest to take showers, which was great. Um, however, I do remember the very first shower I took after it was so uncomfortable. There were parts of my chest. My chest was very much still numb in a lot of parts. When you have a chest for 30 some years and then it's not there anymore, it's very, it's a very, very weird feeling. It was very emotional for me and it wasn't emotional in a good way, actually. This feeling that I couldn't get rid of that was like, oh my God, like this feels so weird. Like, is it going to always feel this way? 
However, now that I'm, you know, months after that, um, I couldn't be more grateful. I love how my chest looks. And that really brings me to where I am today. It's funny to look back and see how far I've come, even just within the last year. It's such a great feeling to just be free of this secret I felt like I was holding in for so long. All that background noise that was constantly present for so many years is not there anymore. What's really inspired me to be open about my journey and share everything is the fact that that's what really helped me when I was really struggling with my gender, was seeing other trans people share so openly and truly seeing them happy and comfortable in their bodies. If it wasn't for these people sharing, I'm not sure if I would have had the courage to come out. And so my intention for sharing my journey and telling my story online is simple. It's to just help others who may be struggling with those same feelings that I had. If something I say even inspires one person to take action on something that's been holding them back, then I feel like I've done something to help. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, and share, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on.